0: Hello, uh, and welcome to the first episode of the John Sperry podcast. Uh, My name is John Sperry, uh, John D. Sperry, according to the cover of the book. Um, But you can call me John. You probably have never heard of me, and if you have, it's because you are a close personal friend of mine, because nobody who's not a close personal friend of mine has ever heard of me. So, uh, just... What I want to do is sort of introduce myself, tell you what I'm doing, and why you are here and should keep listening to this podcast. First and foremost, this is a podcast of fiction, fiction writing. Um, It's going to be featuring my writing as an author, and each episode is going to feature a chapter in a serial format of each of my books. The first book that we're going to be focusing on is called LAMP, the Link Access Manipulation Program. It is a science fiction piece of work uh, that I wrote a few years ago. Um, But before we get into that, I just want to tell you a little bit about who I am and why I'm doing this podcast. First of all, my name, like I said, is John Sperry. I am a school teacher, uh, first and foremost. Um, I've been teaching 7th grade uh, language arts and social studies for 13 years with some very great people at the same school. Um, I live in Oregon in the United States. Um, I have been married to my wife, Sarah, for nearly 20 years now, and we have five children together. Um, And those little rascals are the, uh, sometimes they're the inspiration for some of my characters, maybe not some of the greatest characters. Um, But that's a story for another podcast. I've written four novels. I have a trilogy of work called The Immortal Light trilogy that can be found on Amazon and paperback and digital, and hopefully in the near future audio, uh, much like this one. I have been writing uh, for a little over 10 years, but I my first book was published, or I, I had it published in 2010 or 2011, so it's been it's been a while. Uh, that I've been writing, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I would love for it to be my career, but we will see how that turns out. And the reason I want to make this podcast is I've been super inspired. Right now, if you're listening to this podcast somewhere beyond spring of 2020, um, just a little historical background for you. We're in the middle of a pseudo-quarantine because of the COVID-19 virus, and Americans and people worldwide are really suffering from this thing and we've been asked to stay at home. So the purpose of this podcast is twofold. I am bored to tears. Um, I do woodworking. I do lots of woodworking. And so I keep busy during the day with that. And at night I do this, I, I record these podcasts. I record these, um, these audiobook chapters of my, of my book in order to stay occupied. And the second reason I do this is for you, to entertain you. I want to entertain you with my literature. And if you don't like it, you don't have to keep listening. But I've had lots of requests um, for an audiobook of my literature. And so that's that's the other reason I'm doing this, is, uh, is for you to be entertained, to have something to listen to while you exercise while you do housework while you do whatever it is you do when you're in quarantine from the deadly viruses of the world um so yeah so that is that is why I'm here the format of this podcast um is it's going to be really simple. This first episode is going to be sort of different because I wanted to introduce myself and get to things. But the format is going to be really simple. You're gonna you're gonna click play on that episode, and you are going to immediately hear a chapter of my book. Um, like I said, in this case, it's going to be the book Lamp. Today's episode is going to be the prologue. You're going to hear me read the prologue. Um, yes, I'm going to try and do voices. So we will see how that goes. Um, I am not a great actor. I have never uh, studied in the theatrical realm or the theater arts. Uh, I am not a thespian, as it were, but I am going to give it my best shot because it's free. So that all being said, after I am done with the episode, so after you hear the chapter that I that I read that day, I will come back on and I will have a discussion. And the discussion topics are going to be primarily specific inspirations or specific tidbits that I want to talk about with that chapter. Because there are lots of things people ask me all the time. Where do you get your inspiration? How did you come up with that idea? So I want to sort of address those things. Um, because I think it's a really unique process. It's a very fluid process. It, it's constantly moving, constantly changing. And, and you can't get stuck with the same inspiration. So, so a lot of times I have to be inspired from chapter to chapter as I'm writing, uh, for different elements. I'll talk about things I, I, stole from other fictional realms. Um, this book in particular deals a lot with robotics. So I stole a lot from Isaac Asimov. I stole a lot from Star Trek. Um, so we're, you're going to see that and I'll explain all that. Um, it's like, uh, like you two said in their lyrics, uh, every artist is a cannibal and every poet is a thief. So I'm I'm stealing from other artists uh, because they had fantastic ideas that I can that, that can be used. And so that's how it's gonna go. I'll introduce the chapter, I'll read the chapter to you, um, and, and the chapters are gonna be they're gonna have a very strict audiobook format because at the end of this whole thing, what I really want to do is turn all these chapters into an audiobook that I can then put on Audible and on um, other platforms so that people can download it in in its entirety without having to listen to me uh, sort of ramble at the end about things. Other than the tidbits about the book, I also want to talk about my writing process. I want to talk about the editing process, querying agents. This is a a thing that that is mysterious to a lot of people. Um, Talk about rejection. I, I usually don't self-publish a novel until I've had 100 rejections on that novel, which makes me sound like a horrible author. And maybe I am. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm absolutely terrible at this whole thing. But I'm going to let you decide that. I'm going to talk about requests. I've had quite a few requests from agents for my work. Um, But I always, like I said, in every single instance, I've gotten the, oh, this just isn't for me right now response, which is okay. Agents are people. Agents have to be into what they're trying to sell. And if they're not into it, they're not into it. And um, another thing, another topic I think is really important is having a support system. If you're going to be a writer, you need a support system. I have my wonderful wife, um... She edits all of my work. My mother edits all of my work. Um, I have another another friend of mine named Wendy. She goes through and she is she is sort of my copy editing guru. She she can spot a, a grammatical error anywhere in a text the first time she reads through it. And then um, I have my my sort of emotional sounding board support a friend of mine named Patrick. Patrick and I met about ten years ago. We discovered we're both bu- newly budding writers, like just brand new, fledgling writers, and and so we started meeting um, every couple of months. We still we still meet frequently, and we discuss our writing. We discuss ideas. We bounce ideas off of each other. We discuss the querying process. And Patrick has has become a real inspiration and support in my writing process. So I'll talk more about that. I'll even have Patrick on the podcast and he can tell you what his experience has been. And we can talk about what we have done together, um, that keeps us going after 10 years because writing is, it's an art form. It's a passion, but unfortunately to get it distributed in, under in certain channels, it is frustrating. Um, to say the least, because it is a saturated, saturated market out there. Everybody's writing. So that's that. That is how this is going to go. If you have any questions, please leave comments anywhere you are able to. Right now I have my website, which is johndsperry.com. It, is, it features my writing. You can contact me through there if you have any questions. If there are any topics you'd like to hear about me, talk about, or um, any of my guests talk about that I will eventually have, um, please let me know. So with that, without any further ado, here is the prologue of LAMP. Blue and orange flames licked the sides of a writhing belch of black smoke like serpent tongues over the main highway interchange of Bag City. Every window of City Central Hospital's upper floors was filled with patients, doctors, nurses, and other staff members gazing out at the plume of thick, acrid smoke rising in a pillar of hellish terror nearly two kilometers away. Whoa, what happened? asked the young custodian as he caught his first sight of the scene. I don't know, a doctor in a white lab coat mumbled distractedly as he stared out the third floor window. It sounded like a bomb. I thought the Telerides had finally had it with the Sultan and attacked the supply lines, but that's the highway, he replied, pointing his finger toward the horizon and the tower of smoke. Looks like a collision on the metro, the custodian replied as he leaned toward the glass to get a better look. But you weren't far off. It looks like a heavy lithium transport was involved. How can you tell? Asked the doctor. See the blue flames? The doctor looked with narrowed eyes and nodded. That's from reactor plasma? Only heavy freighters and transports use those kinds of reactors? Small transports use coil reactors? The doctor scratched the day-old growth of hair on his face. I'm gonna say you are all gonna be busy today, the custodian said with knowing despair in his tone as he left the window and walked back to the custodial cart he left hovering near the lifts. Down on the first floor, doctors and nurses in the emergency medical facility scrambled to ready their beds for the nightmare that was descending on them in the sound of squealing sirens. com relays all over the lower floor announced that hundreds of victims were estimated in a massive freighter accident on Bag City, Metro Highway 1. Everyone with medical training was called to the EMF. Here we go, people! Code 1A! We have a massive rush coming in! Called an administrator from behind a wide desk near the bay doors that would soon usher in the bloody and burned... He threw a hand over his ear and listened intently to the communicator headset buzzing information in his ear. EM transport incoming. Get ready, he called as the first emergency medical transport pulled up to the energy shielded doors of the hospital. Two blue-clad technicians jumped out of the transport and unloaded a hovering gurney. Subject's name is Shahara L., age 6, suffered head trauma in a multi-fatal commuter collision. He was found unresponsive, not breathing at the scene. Adjuncts have been applied to his airway, cycled at 15 breaths per minute for the last three minutes. Signs show positive for concussion. Neck has been stabilized. We believe he was thrown from a vehicle along with a Telluride woman in her mid-30s, believed to be a caregiver or mother. Three medical attendants pulled the gurney into the main lobby. The boy that lay upon it had an angelic face full of color, despite the horrific circumstances that landed him in the emergency floor. A doctor with pale white skin and inhumanly yellow hair pried open the boy's eyelids with a thumb and shined a small penlight directly at his pupils. Definite concussion, the doctor said in a distinctly Telluride accent to the attending nurse as he adjusted the almost imperceptible clear tube that wrapped around his ears and into his nose. Float him into primary and get him a cranial scan and biofeedback monitor. The nurse, an older, heavy woman with short, cropped black hair, nodded and began pulling the boy's floating bed down the wide corridor that led to the primary care wing. And Millie, the doctor called back as he perused a flow of information on a small, square data module computer in his hand. Be gentle. It looks like his parents are listed in the primary fatalities report. Millie nodded tenderly and continued pushing the boy down the hall. She pulled out her own data mod and reviewed his personal information. She sighed as the updated information filled her screen. The boy was found on the periphery of the accident clutched in the dead arms of his mother, the Telluride wife of a Bagadite diplomat who worked for the information ministry. Preliminary evidence seemed to show that she threw her body over the boy before both either jumped or were ejected from the vehicle. The father, one Shahara Ladin Sr., was also assumed dead, though no positive ID had yet been made. Poor boy. Millie whispered to the comatose youngster on the gurney as she brushed her plump fingers against his cheek. Floating the gurney into the PCW, Millie began barking at the tech on duty. This boy needs a CCT scan, immediately, and get me a biofeedback monitor! The tech jumped at the orders and pushed the boy into a room with a wide machine, hollow in the center, just the right size for a person to slide into. As she prepped the biofeedback monitor, Millie's datamod began to vibrate in her pocket. The display read, Code 1A. The honeymoon was over. Victims of the crash were starting to fly through the doors of the EMF. Millie turned back to the boy on the gurney and stroked his limp cheek one last time as she stared sympathetically. Be brave, little Aladdin Shahara. You have a long road ahead. And there you have it, the prologue. Lamp is a really special book to me. Um, what's interesting about Lamp is that uh, the, where, where the inspiration came from to write it, and, and I think the inspiration is really obvious, um, because what you're going to find out is that Lamp is a retelling of a very famous story Um, A famous story that's really near and dear to my heart. And it's the story of Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp from the 1001 Arabian Nights tales. I decided to do this story because about six years ago, uh, seven years ago, I was spending a lot of time in the gym and spending a lot of time running. And um, I was trying to get in good shape, trying to lose some weight. And I've completely undone that by now, um, I've gained all the way back, but I was doing a lot of exercising and listening to audiobooks while I did this, and three of the books that I listened to were the first three books in the Lunar Chronicles series by Marissa Meyer, and if you don't know anything about those books, um, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are familiar with those books, but if you're not familiar with those books, they are a, a very excellent retelling. And and sort of reimagining of different fairy tale characters um, such as Cinderella and Little Red Riding Hood and Snow White, and it's it's a fantastic universe that that Meyer has created in the Lunar Chronicles. And as I was listening to these things, these these characters that she chose, um, a lot of them are traditionally sort of Disney princess type characters, and. Growing up, I appreciated the Disney Princess movies because we watched them as kids, but my favorite was always Aladdin. My favorite Disney movie was always Aladdin, um, and I loved The Lion King as well. But as a kid, it was Aladdin. And when I became a teacher, I decided to teach the story of Aladdin and the Wonderful Lamp, and, and we do all sorts of activities. There are things like comparisons. There's like... Um, ways to argue uh, which story speaks better to society, and we, we'd have these debates about um, about the story in the books in class. And I just I fell in love with this, but all I could really compare the original One Thousand One Arabian Nights story to was the Disney cartoon. Now there's a graphic novel out there. Um, it, it might be a series um, of a futuristic fantasy Aladdin, um, but it was never something that was easily accessible for my students, and I didn't think it was quite what I was going for. What I wanted was a novel, because we would try to encourage as much reading and literature as possible. So I thought, you know what? I'm totally inspired by Marissa Meyer here by the Lunar Chronicles. I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to take the story of Aladdin, and I'm going to turn it into a novel uh, of a boy who, instead of finding magic, he is a, a... technological genius, he's a hacker, a computer hacker, and he uses technology, and he finds a computer program written by aliens, <laughs> as, as funny as that sounds, aliens, man, a computer program written long time ago, galaxy far, far away type situation, that will grant you any wish that you want by connecting to any digital network in the universe to get you that thing. Um, and so that's that's where this came about I, I wanted to rewrite aladdin and the wonderful lamp okay so some elements from the prologue that you that you heard just now some certain elements some interesting things um while i was trying to create a world and, and one of the things about writing that's really interesting is the the world creation creating a universe um, something that's got to be a, a familiar enough for people to relate to but fantasy enough for them to want to be in it um, or dystopian enough for one for them to want to survive it. And I kind of went both ways with this book. But what we're introduced to is we're introduced to this Bag City and it's spelled B-A-G-H like Baghdad um, to give you the impression that maybe we're somewhere in the Middle East. This Aladdin story, uh, the Aladdin story actually came out of out of uh, Central and East Asia, um, but it was included in the 1001 Arabian Nights unofficially, not truly being one of the the original oral traditional stories, um, but it was included in that that group of stories. But it wanted to give the impression, because we're all familiar with the Disney cartoon, that A, this is the Middle East. So we have Bag City, so maybe a futuristic, um, dystopian metamorphosis of modern-day Baghdad. Um, we're, we're introduced to it as a metropolis. There's a major highway, there's a hospital, there are people everywhere. We get the familiarity in the hospital of hospitals today, though there are certain elements that are science fiction, the hovering custodial cart, the, the comm relays, everything is referred to as a data module computer. Um, the shield, the energy shielded doors. These are all things that we've seen in other elements of sci-fi. None of this is original. None of this is, this is things taken from, uh, anywhere from Ray Bradbury to Asimov to Philip K. Dick to, uh, as you can see, I like the older sci-fi, um, things like Star Trek and Star Wars, um, Stargate. I am a big fan of all these things. And so I'm, I'm stealing stuff universe- Universal elements, left and right, to to sort of create this universe of my own. So you can see that um, in this uh, prologue. Um, as far as characters go, you know, um, I'm setting up in this in this in this episode in this prologue. I'm setting up the different characters. You have Bagadites and you have Tellurides. Um, you're gonna find out the origins of both of those, but we get the impression that maybe the Tellurides aren't quite human. Uh, the doctor that is introduced with the bright yellow hair and the super pale skin, um, and the the bright yellow hair is described as being inhuman, and he has a, a Telluride accent. Um, these are the aliens of the story. These are the, the people who have discovered Earth and its resources, and, and have sort of done a diplomatic takeover, you're going to find out, of Earth, much to the chagrin of some of the world leaders who you're going to meet later. And so while I was creating these Tellarides, I wanted them to be a, a, a humanoid species. They look human, but they have slight characteristics that are different than humans. Um, you're going to find out that their hair um, is, is multi- multicolored. Um, That they breathe lithium. They have to have a lithium supplement with their air as they breathe, as they live on Earth. All of this stuff I just made up. Um, I looked into the science of it, and not many people have really written about the possibility of making an aerosol lithium. (laughs) The stuff in batteries. Um, and if a carbon-based creature could even breathe it, I don't care. They're breathing it in this story, and that's all there is to it. So um, so there are lithium-breathing aliens who have come to Earth because Earth has a massive supply of lithium for their needs. So if they want to travel intergalactically, they need to harvest harvest this lithium. Um, the Bagadites, these are the the citizens of Bag City. There really isn't a whole lot else given there, so that's all we have to go on in the prologue. Remember, prologue, this is something that that is introducing the greater story. In this case, it takes place before, long before the story starts, ten years before the actual story starts, and we're introduced to our protagonist, our hero, and his name is Ladin Shahera. Um, super creative name. I, I get that a lot. Um, I'm super proud of that name. I took Aladdin and took the A off. Uh, so don't mock me too much about that. But Aladdin Shahira is our protagonist. He is a young boy who's brought into a hospital after a car crash, an auto collision on the metro highway, and both of his parents are killed. He's now orphaned, and we're sort of introduced to him that way, even though he is completely unconscious for the entire entire duration of this prologue, where you're going to find out is uh, that he is going to have grown up on the streets, and uh, he's going to have learned a lot of stuff, so I'm not going to get too much into him right now. I want to talk a little bit about why I went this direction with Aladdin. In the wonderful lamp story, Aladdin's father has been killed, and his mother is raising him, and he is just a nuisance of a boy. And a mysterious uncle shows up and the story of Aladdin goes off that way. I did not want to do that with this story. I did not want it to make it a carbon copy of the 1001 Arabian Night story or um, necessarily the Disney story, although it probably does more closely resemble the Disney story. You're going to find out that Aladdin does have friends and you'll, you'll, you'll hear a lot more about that in the next episode, so I'm not going to get into that right now either. Um, but I wanted him to be something special. So, In the next episode, you're going to hear chapter one. You're going to be introduced to Aladdin. You're going to be introduced to his two best friends. You're going to be introduced to much more of this universe of Bag City. So I am super excited for that. I'm going to try to get that out as soon as possible. I want to get these podcasts rolling so you all can be entertained. And hopefully by the end of this quarantine, we have 33 episodes um, of LAMP. So thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you next time. This podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, John D. Sperry. Additional music and sound effects are provided by EpidemicSound.com. Theme song is Abstraction by Talent Studio, found at Shutterstock.com. This podcast is a John D. Sperry production, copyright 2020.